0: You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind.
1: I got a bad feeling about
0: this. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore!
2: He's looking at you, kid.
0: What we got here is a failure to communicate.
2: You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk?
1: Right on schedule, the once every 32 months movie Forums.com podcast is back. Uh, I am here with Holden Pike, longtime movie forumer, over a decade now, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and sure. uh, a repeated guest, our first guest to be on more than once, Mark F. from the forums. Hello, Mark. How are you? Like I said, you don't really want to know, but I'm doing okay. Let's take it. All right. Well, you're here, right? And you can speak. Yeah. So yeah, let's call that a moral victory. Okay. Uh, obviously, it is Oscar season. We're here to talk about the Oscars. Let's not waste any time. Uh, we're going to start with the big categories. Uh, best picture, first of all. Um, now, the thing most people are talking about, I guess, is that this year, uh, even though we're allowed, quote unquote, to have 10 nominees now, which I know irks holding something fierce, uh, <laughs> there are only nine this year. Um, right. now, I assume Holden you're pretty up on the rules here, and a lot of people are saying things like, well why couldn't they just have one more uh why uh, why couldn't they just why couldn't they just recognize drive for example that seems to be the big one right yeah, and-
3: they did it as a percentage of the vote this year uh, on a nominating ballot you you put in what you want for best picture and so they did a simple math this time uh, so there was nine qualified as the, I think I had to get five percent of the total vote so those those nine qualified and drive and whatever else didn't
1: Yeah, but I guess the main thing is that uh, people are trying to make it sound like this is a collective, collaborative decision. Why don't they just add another? But it's not like that. It's not planned out like that. No. It's just the way it shakes out, and apparently very, very few people voted for it.
3: Yeah, if you believe the Academy and Pricewaterhouse, this is just about numbers.
1: Okay, if you believe that. And I'm guessing... If you want to be a conspiracy theorist, you can
3: say that, oh, they didn't want Harry Potter or Drive or whatever on the list. But uh, I think it's just purely numbers. Yeah, they came up with that
0: uh, new policy, though, just, you know, before all these nominations are made, so... Right. People knew about it in advance. They just didn't know, like likely was mentioned, how it was going to turn out. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's let's go through the nominees real quick. I'll just list them for anyone listening. The uh, The Artist, Moneyball, Midnight in Paris, Hugo, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Descendants, The Help, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. Now, uh, first things first, it sounds like everybody's pretty surprised that Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close was nominated. Do you both agree with that?
3: Uh, I was I kind of predicted it just because okay. uh, Stephen Daldry's other three um, <laughs> had made it in somehow, uh. and also uh, kind of dubious. I mean, uh, but his first two were Billy Elliot and uh, uh, and The Hours, and he's gotten either Best Picture and or Best Director for all four of his films so far. Wow. Um, Billy Elliot got Best Director, The Hours got Picture and Director. Uh, the reader got picture and director somehow, and uh, and now Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close got Best uh, Picture. So just based on, I don't know if he's got photos of people <laughs> high up in the Academy or if he's got someone who's fixing the numbers at Price Waterhouse. Whatever it is, his movie seemed to get in. So even though it was getting you know mixed reviews, just put it nicely. I mean, some really just horrible reviews, and it didn't seem to have much traction. I thought, well, I don't know how he does it every year, but sometimes somehow he seems to get in. So I thought. He'll probably make
1: the cut. Well, what he needs to do is die right now. He'll be like the John Cazale of directors. <laughs> right. Just go on a John
3: actually did good work.
1: Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Now, I guess everyone seems to agree that this is a two-horse race. No. And a war horse, amusingly, is not one of those two horses. <laughs> no. Um, it's the artist or the descendants, I assume.
3: That's It seems to shake out though. I
1: now. Yeah. And, and, and the artist is, what do you think, a clear favorite or...?
3: I, w- I would think so. I mean, it, it's uh, you know, it's it's hard to gauge these things, but it 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 seems to be the favorite. Yeah, it's won so many of the awards and gotten so much critical acclaim. It's just uh, it's not a foregone conclusion, but it's definitely the favorite.
0: The thing about these things is, if everybody remembers last year, yep. I know it's hard to remember sometimes. <laughs> yeah, The Social Network was just a clear favorite. Yeah, uh, when when the nominations were announced or something. Although I can't remember, uh, I think the Golden Globes came out you know, the weekend before,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. they were announced the weekend before the Academy nominations last year. But anyhow, everybody knew the social network was the favorite, the favorite, and then, a few days later, everybody knew that uh, the King's wasn't... Speech was the favorite. That's I don't your... know if we're going to have anything like that this year. I don't see now. But, uh...
3: Well, one, one of the things in, in that race was that Harvey Weinstein was behind the King's Speech, and Harvey Weinstein is behind the artist. Uh... So the artist is already in front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> okay, in see, there, there get we it go. Back in the race.
1: Yeah, that was literally the next thing I was going to say, is that uh, obviously the social network was the early favorite, but then we're going to know a lot more before the actual ceremonies roll around. We're going to get the BAFTAs, and we're going to see uh, yeah. Screen Actors Guild. And that's when we started to realize that it wasn't a slam dunk after all. My guess is that if the artist takes even most of those, it's probably a foregone conclusion, I assume. Those are our big hints every year, right?
3: Yeah, there's some of them. I mean, yeah, I, you know, they go back and forth. Sometimes, the, sometimes they're very accurate, these other awards, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the variations. So you never can tell, but uh, it certainly has the momentum at this point, you'd have to
1: say. As far as snubs go, uh, what do you guys think? The the, the three I keep hearing are obviously Drive, uh, Take Shelter, a little lesser known, and uh, of course Harry Potter, which everyone wants that sort of nomination. I, I, I kind of assumed, and maybe this is the Harry Potter fan in me, um but that it would get sort of a uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, here's the nomination for the entire series sort of thing, especially since it probably was the best of the series.
3: Well, I mean, that happened with Lord of the Rings. I don't know why why fantasy fans think it's going to happen with every fantasy series.
1: <laughs> <laughs> especially one that didn't have the same director and cast and crew the whole way through, I guess. Right.
3: And yeah. it was, what, seven or eight movies instead of three.
1: Right. What about Take Shelter? Have either of you guys seen Take Shelter?
3: I love Take Shelter. It was one of my favorites of the year, for sure. Did not, I did not expect it to get any or many Oscar nominations, which it promptly didn't. It did really well at the Independent Spirit Awards and some Critics Awards, but it just, uh, people just didn't, enough people didn't see it. Who knows? That one and, uh, uh Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh, were kind of two of the early ones. Came out in the summer. Independent movies. But, oh, everyone thought maybe these had traction and they just, they uh, peaked too early or for whatever reason just didn't make the cut this year
1: do you think there's anything to the idea that drive wasn't nominated because it's too violent do you believe that sort of thing
3: no you no know, no i mean taxi driver was nominated for best picture i mean you know it's just, <laughs> i mean times change and tastes change but i mean no i don't think that had anything to do with it It was just one of those that just missed the cut for whatever reason not enough of the members responded to it or maybe enough of them didn't watch the screener who knows
1: yeah and i know one of holden's favorite films is the wild bunch and that was nominated for screenplay i think it was Yeah, I mean,
3: extremely violent films have been nominated. I mean, Gladiator won Best Picture. I mean, that's. Yeah, good point. (laughs) I mean, you know, these these things happen, and it's just, it depends on the context and the tone and the time, and who knows.
1: I like how you couldn't suppress a chuckle when you said that, by the way. (laughs) Okay, uh, any other thoughts, or shall we move on to Best Director?
3: Well, I don't know if I have any thoughts, period,
0: but as far (laughs) as Take Shelter goes, uh, I didn't see it, but, but my daughter Sarah saw it, and then she came to me and asked me to, you know, to check her review out because she was writing uh, for the USC Daily Trojan. Oh, so I feel like I've oh, almost great. seen it because she was describing it to me specifically and I was trying to help her with the writing and everything. And because uh, I, I told her about it in advance because when I saw uh, the same director and uh, actor's shotgun stories, I told her, it's kind of a movie that creeps up on you,
2: mm. the
0: shotgun stories. Yeah. So I had a feeling Tank Shelter was an effort to make a, a bigger, larger More uh, grandiose statement or something. So I told her, you know, I mentioned that to her, and then she said, "Hey, I'm I get to go review that movie?
1: That's perfect. So So you're like an honorary viewer. That's close enough.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. The one thing I'll say about picture before we move on to director is that um, uh, you know people can have their favorites and think this gonna win, maybe this will win, and "Eh," who knows? But in in the history of the Oscars, which goes way back since the more recent format of five nominees which recently became expanded, um, and the whole history of that award there's only been one time that the best picture, the best, uh, has not had its director at least be nominated for best director that was driving those mm-hmm. daisy. So if you think, oh, what if Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close will blow it off the upset? It could, yeah. but the odds of it happening are so remote, it's not even worth, if you have an office pool or the mofo pool or whatever, it's not even worth considering. It's going to be one of those five, yeah. at least to have Best Director.
1: Well, that segues perfectly, because those five are, uh, in no particular order, Uh, Alexander Payne for The Descendants, Martin Scorsese for Hugo, Michael... Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Okay, Michael... (laughs) Has a nevicius. I think, think Michel has a nevicius. Michel. Oh, sorry. I think if you say it like with a faux French
3: accent, a little just flow. Michel has a nevicius, eh?
1: Has a nevicius. That sounds almost That's Italian, me. actually. I that think, wasn't
3: yeah. actually Italian. I didn't, I, think, I didn't start out as Italian. It as long as, as, as
1: we don't lapse into Irish or something. Okay. So well, that guy uh, for the artist, right. uh, Terrence Malick for The Tree of Life, and Woody Allen for Midnight in Paris. That would exclude, let's see, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, uh, Moneyball, uh, Warhorse, Horse, um, and The Help. And, and The Help, yes, of course. Um, unlike Best Picture, where it feels like we've got two that can probably win, uh, right. I don't, maybe I'm wrong about this, but Best Director looks pretty wide open to me. Uh, Holden, you've talked about this a lot, uh, you, you post your analysis every year on the site, and it's always lovely, and I'm looking forward to it again this year. And, um, I know you've written a lot about historically how often they, sp- uh, sort of split their ballots between director and picture, how right. it, it was very rare, and I think it, it's become more common recently?
3: It has. Well, the last five in a row have all been the same, director and picture. Okay. Uh, and, you know, historically, before the late 60s, it happened just a handful of times. And then from, uh, let's see, from 68 with The Graduate and the Night on through, um, I guess, uh, chicago and the Roman Plansky were the last ones, happened eight times. So That's it became much. more common than it used to, but it's still extremely rare that from 1968 to 2000, whenever that was, three, yeah. it happened eight times. It doesn't happen often. It can happen. It just, it's one of those things, again, you probably shouldn't bet on it if you have an Oscar for or yeah. it's just, it does happen, it probably won't.
1: Okay, because I'm looking at it, and again, I, I know the history isn't exactly on my side here, but I'm sitting here thinking, obviously... Michelle. I'm just gonna call him Michelle. Yes. Uh obviously the favorite. Um but you know, Payne wouldn't be a surprise. And I don't even feel like Scorsese would be a huge surprise. Am I am I out of my mind on that one?
3: No. You're out of your mind. No. I mean that that he actually did finally win one I think makes it less likely they'd give him one for movie that's probably not gonna win best picture but you never know
1: it'd be pretty bizarre if he doesn't win for goodfellas or taxi driver and then he wins for the departed and hugo
3: (laughs) yeah that that would be strange
0: (laughs) (laughs) i i don't really expect hugo to win but i was gonna mention i wouldn't i'd be that shocked if somehow hugo snuck in i don't know i really don't know i'm pretty sure the artists have it but uh I would this year. I would not be surprised.
1: Let me <laughs> overthink something real quick. Is it you, you know how sir, sometimes you'll have two nominees uh, from the same movie and people wonder about whether or not that splits the ballot? Is right. it at all possible that the artist and Hugo can split the love letter to cinema ballot, or is is that being yeah. way too complicated? It, it
3: Could theoretically, I don't think it will. I mean, they both you know are set in the '30s, both have to do with you know kind of. Old time cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have similar themes in that sense. I mean, it's stylistically very different and the plots are completely different. But, so they have their similarities, but I think um, when people, if the, you know, who knows if they actually watch the screeners? You, you know, it's not required that you actually know what you're talking about to, to vote for the Academy Awards.
2: Yeah, but so, if you watch the
3: artist and you watch Hugo, I think, and you see they both have similar themes, it's just, the artist is so. Fun and it's so emotionally engaging in a way that Hugo isn't. As, as wonderful as Hugo is, I love Hugo, but of the two that have the similar themes, I think the artist is just so, it's, I mean, it's definitely unique. I mean, obviously, it's a silent movie, but it's just so <laughs> singular that you, of the two, it just stands out. That if you, if you were going to vote for Hugo, I think as soon as you saw artists, you go, well, I was going to vote for Hugo, but I think I'll vote for your artist.
1: Why bet? Why, why vote for the second best example of this thing I right. like? Right. right. What do you think,
3: Mark? Well, it all
0: depends on who, yeah, uh, who you are, first of all, and what you think the second best is. Hey, I'm not trying. I'm not here to knock the academy. I know a lot of people mostly like to talk about the officers to make fun of them. Yeah. But and and, and Hold and I are pretty much uh, agree that hey, we're we're very serious about the Academy. Award. Yeah. No, we mean, can make fun of them, but we'd, but we'd rather you know be, take them seriously. Yeah. Uh, so my point was going to be, uh, I'm not trying to make fun of them, but he, like you said, who knows how they vote. Uh, I'm sure most of them are very
3: serious, but, you know,
0: uh, some of them let their dogs vote for them.
3: Some of them, I mean, there's stories of, you know, producers letting their secretaries or their children or whoever, you know, do it. I mean, it it happens. There's no way to police it. Um, But, I mean, you hope people take it seriously or as seriously as you should take something like the Academy Awards, but you, you never know. You can't control it.
1: Well, this is the last line of defense, isn't it? This is the last award show that matters at all. So we've got to defend this one to the death.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got the most integrity of the award shows for sure. Of the movie award shows. Right. By far. <laughs> I mean I
1: assume look we're all Whatever that's worth we're all members on a movie message board and we all have been for years and we've all posted Thousands or tens of thousands of times. So I think it's pretty safe to say that we're the kind of people who actually give a crap about this a little bit. Therefore, you know, I, I can't be the only one who, it, when I feel like there's been some sort of injustice, I think, oh, man, 30 years from now, people are going to look back and see that that won. And that just right. bugs the crap out of me.
0: Right. Right. I definitely uh, respect the Oscars a lot. And I and I really love music, but I can't take anything about the Grammy seriously. Yeah.
1: Right. Right, and you just don't want to see the Oscars get to I don't watch to that point. the Grammys. <laughs> no, I don't either. Well, I think LL Cool J's hosting them this year, Mark, so I figured you'd really be into it.
0: Look, my wife loves NCIS Los Angeles so much, I get <laughs> LL Cool J up the yin-yang.
1: <laughs> oh, that's perfect. I'm going to quote you on that. Okay, uh, so, okay, Terrence Malik, No Hope, Woody Allen, No Hope.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, Malik is, you know, beloved by directors and filmmakers, uh, and they gave him the nomination, but, you know, the chances of him winning are minuscule. Uh Woody's, you know, won for Annie hall. He's got a boatload of nominations as yeah. director and especially as screenwriter. He'd probably win uh for this screenplay, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh mm-hmm. him winning director, probably pretty unlikely.
1: Well when he gets nominated for something uh for a director or screenplay, it kind of feels like it's just acknowledging that this one of his was a little bit better than the other ones he does. Right. You know what I mean? Like it's like quite noticeable. <laughs>
2: Yeah, right,
0: right. His, his creative juices seem to be flowing a little more. Uh, although uh, I was very interested when uh, Sarah uh, played me thing, an old uh, stand-up routine of his from the 60s, and he was talking about most of the characters that ended up in the, in the 20s plot. Oh, really? Yeah, there was Gertrude Stein and, uh, you know, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and all of them. All of them were in there. He was talking about them, but he didn't really use them in in that stand-up routine the way he did in the
1: movie. Yeah, he was, he was a pretty good stand-up back in the day, as I recall. And just for the record, for the, the these
3: two nominations that Woody got for screenplay and director at this time make uh, 23 total for him.
1: That's almost streepy in territory, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, he passed uh, Billy Wilder, I think.
0: For, yeah, I don't know if his... it was for a combo or for one of them, anyway.
3: Yeah, this is
1: his
0: seventh
3: as, seventh as director, and he has won as uh, best actor for Penny
1: Hall. Yeah, I might you guys might completely disagree with me, and feel free to say if you do, but I, with Alan, it feels always to me like his body of it's more about his body of work, I feel like his films don't vary as much in quality. As other directors, you know what yeah, I,
3: mean? I would say. I would say sometimes that's true, but I, w- I would agree with Mark. This one is so charming and so much fun and just so witty. It's it's pretty irresistible. I mean, I'm looking um, no at... matter what you think of Woody Allen or or what his output is or what his batting average is, this one is is pretty uh, pretty damn irresistible.
1: Yeah, it feels like he's kind of created a, a genre of his own, and this might be a particularly good example of the genre he's created. I mean, I'm looking at the poster. I haven't seen it, but I'm looking at the poster and I see a guy looking thoughtful in the middle of the night by himself. Walking around the streets, and I think, wow, that's nothing sounds more Woody Allen than that to me. <laughs> okay, so we said Streepian, a word I made up. Let's just go, let's go and move on to Best Actress, if you guys don't mind.
3: Oh, and wait, well, just go back to the Best Director for one thing. Uh, the, the, the only snub you can really, I guess, say that's becoming a, a trend for ah, some yes. people is, is David Fincher, maybe for A Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But yes. that movie is so dark and so. Good point. Uh, nihilistic, it's hard to uh, <laughs> not hard to, to see why the Academy didn't
1: completely embrace it. Yeah, he lays it on a little thick, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, it's. I mean,
3: you know, his movies are fantastic and they're exhilarating and they're visually stunning, but uh, as far as what the Academy kind of gravitates to and wants to hold up and say, wow, look at this, this is amazing. Uh, yeah, his his crime films, you know, Seven and, and Girls' Dragon Tattoo and Zodiac, uh, you know, and Fight Club, they're a little too
1: intense for the Academy, I think. He got started directing music videos, didn't he? He did. Yeah, and they kind of feel like two-hour music videos uh, a little <laughs> bit. And I, the funny thing is, I ha, if you had to... People talk a lot about how hip the Academy is and things like that. I feel like if they had to pick anyone that they could plausibly get behind who wouldn't feel crusty, it would be David Fincher. Yep. You know what I mean? Like the closest compromise between the two would probably be well, David Fincher.
3: He has a very artistic sensibility in a lot of ways, but also a very mainstream genre... Uh, digestible sensibility as well. I mean, material materially chooses is very, you know, kind of mainstream in its way, but his sensibility is very artistic and, you know, more Malick-like if you want to, you know, use a scale. I mean, he's, he leans that way kind of visually and uh, thematically, but the the material is very, you know, genre-oriented most of the time. Right. Social so being an exception.
1: Right. so he, might, he might win something if he ever makes a more well-lit film, maybe.
3: <laughs> maybe something that's, you know, gripping and thrilling but not quite so dark and nihilistic, although then it wouldn't really be Fincher.
1: Yeah, yeah that's a good point. That's a good point. He's my, I, I don't know if he's going to change, but okay. Uh anything well, any Yeah,
0: now it sounds a little bit like, uh, I wasn't thinking this until he got halfway through, but it almost sounds like a comparison with Scorsese.
1: Yeah? yeah.
0: his earlier, darker yeah. movies. That's a great And then point. he wins for lighter fare.
1: Yeah, right. that's actually really interesting. He's kind of evolved a little, hasn't he? I, I yeah. would not, I expect Fincher to win at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I would think at some point he'll find
3: another thing, maybe not social network, which uh, seemed to divide people for whatever reason, but something that's, you know, a little more mainstream in, in some sense.
1: Uh, you guys want to go on to Best Actress? Uh, sure. Um, okay, so Meryl Streep. Uh, she right. defies hyperbole at this point. Um, yes. This is her fourth nomination in the last six years. Um right. And I know...
3: Seventeenth over, overall. I know. She's but she, passed, was, passed Catherine Hepburn a couple of years ago, and uh, keeps going. It's
1: insane, right? No end in
3: sight. I yeah, I mean, she will went up in the in the twenties easy, unless yeah. she you know has a heart attack or gets hit by a bus or something. Yeah,
1: and she doesn't look like she wants to retire at all. She's. By the way, I was stunned to learn that she's sixty-two years old. I would have never guessed. Yep. She looks a right. decade younger. Um, all that clean living. I don't know. I'm
3: um, most sixty-two-year-olds on how she still plays the lead in movies. Yeah. She's, she's one of the few that gets to do
1: that. She's, she's the exception. And I, I feel like, now again, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like obviously the Academy likes to reward newcomers when they can. I feel like maybe that's the tiebreaker sometimes. They don't hand out, you know, tons of awards to the same people anymore, you know. Uh, I don't know if they ever did, but I know they yeah, don't.
3: Yeah, they seem to have gotten a little better than that. I don't know if it's uh, some of the old guard dying off in in the last few decades. And, uh, you know, I mean the people who are in their 70s now, you know, started their careers in the 60s and 70s. So. Right.
1: I understand that they might want to give it to someone younger or someone newer and fresher and create a new star, so to speak, but how do you say no to Meryl Streep? I mean, she's just killing.
3: This seems like... And not not only with Meryl Streep, but this year, I mean, she's up with Glenn Close, another, you know, who's also about her age. I think she was actually a couple years older and uh, who's been chugging along forever. This is her uh, sixth nomination and she's never won. Meryl has in, I mean, the thing with Meryl is she's got 17 and eight nominations and it's only one two which...
1: Is, right, and it was what? Uh, some uh,
3: people never get to get any and they were very She has hurt, the, most
1: <laughs> the most losses Right. Yeah, it's like, went, it's and, like, and, like it's like Reggie Jackson with the most strikeouts and some <laughs> of the most home runs It's it's a little right. bit of both. And she hasn't won what? So thir- just the home runs and great strikeouts. Exactly yeah. Swing as hard as you can and maybe you hit it, maybe you don't But she hasn't won since uh, I think 1982.
3: 30 years. Yeah, she won for a Kramer versus Kramer and Sophie's Choice, which were her second and fourth nominations.
1: It's easy to imagine this kind of capping things off for, especially when, you know, again, you think like, oh, God, they're going to nominate Meryl Streep again. But then she comes out with the Iron Lady, and it just seems like you have to. Like, you can't say no. It doesn't matter who you want to reward or, or, or what, what, what she's done right. before, whether or not she's had her day in the sun. How do no, you I, say I no to this one?
3: I, I haven't seen uh, the Iron Lady, um, but uh, I think there's a, there's a really funny piece The Onion did um, a couple years ago, I think now, two or three years ago, and uh, it was uh, written, you know, in a, a faux editorial in Onion style, written as Meryl Streep,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it was, uh, and the headline was, "Name One Masterpiece of Cinema That I've Starred In." The whole yeah. thing was, was her you know, kind of saying, you know, Al Pacino has Dog Day Afternoon, and God's Father Father Part Two, and De Niro has Tax Driver and Raging Bull. And what's the great movie that I've been in? And the, the joke of that, you know, she gives great performances, but the movies themselves are not, oh boy, you know, who's going to think of the Iron, if people think of the Iron Lady 20 years from now, it's not going to be, boy, the Iron Lady was a magnificent film. I was like, wow, Meryl Streep was amazing in that movie, right. which is what she tends to get, which I think also hurts her when it comes to Oscars, that she's in these movies where she does these stellar performances, but the movies themselves, you know, yeah, okay, she's the best thing in the movie, always.
1: Right. So does that mean she's just that good, or does she have really bad taste in films?
3: I think it's part of the the material she chooses, part of that Hollywood, you know, if she does want to be 60-some-year-old woman starring in movies, you know, it's not going to be in the big blockbusters and the big, you know, happy films that, that millions of people go to see in the cinema, it's going to be in these smaller films, these weirder films, these historical films. So I mean, it's just the way it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, the last time she was nominated in a decent film or a pretty good film was Adaptation, I would think.
3: Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of surprised she didn't win that one. I was a supporting actress. I thought she had a real good shot of, of finally kind of breaking her, her string yeah. of, of losses, but you know, I mean, but she she still does, uh, you know, Devil Wears Prada. very fun movies, but again, you know, very fun movie, you know, beloved in a certain sense, but not a great movie. Not when the people, you know, Tarantino almost Devil Wears Prada. That was one of the best movies I ever saw. No, but Meryl Feet gives a really fun performance.
1: I'm gonna use a little baseball analogy here. Uh, someone did a study a while back. I think it was in relation to uh, the Seattle Mariners, something like that. Trying to determine how much of a percentage of your payroll you could spend on one player and still win. And they found that if you paid one player too much money, you basically couldn't win. You know, even though right. you had a huge star player, it meant that you were well. The the implication was that it meant you were skimping somewhere else. Is right. that do you think that's kind of what happens here? Like she dominates these movies. The the movie becomes about her performance. And then everything else is just given short shrift i mean is that is it possible to have someone dominate a movie and still have the movie be that good or am i, just, I mean I know this sounds a little ad hoc here, but you 're right that there seems like this seems like a completely improbable trend that she 'd be in so many fairly good but not great movies despite her performances
3: I, I think part of it is that there aren 't that many great roles for women, just period mm, yeah. of any age and uh, that those kinds of movies that tend to to be kind of classic movies, I mean, mean, Lawrence of Arabia is a perfect example. You know, it's one of the greatest, and there's not a a speaking line for a woman in the whole thing. I mean, it's just, when you tend to think of these great movies, it is a kind of patriarchal thing. There's just, they tend to be male-dominated stories, main male character. If there's a woman in it, she's the support, she's the love interest, she's the helper. She's not the main thrust. If it's the main thrust, it's kind of an otter movie or a fluff movie. It's not... So these, it's just it's just the way it is, partially just because of, that she's a woman.
1: So because it's slanted towards male roles, there are fewer female roles, and therefore maybe it's easier for someone, a, a genuinely great actress, to dominate in a way a man maybe couldn't dominate his side of the nominations. Yeah,
3: I mean, there are only a handful of great movies made every decade anyway, and that the, yeah. it's going to star one. a woman is less likely just because it's a male-dominated everything.
1: Yeah. Uh, you guys mentioned Glenn Close earlier. Now, uh, she's playing a guy. Speaking speaking of genders, yeah, that
3: one, that one I did see, and that one is really a fantastic performance. It's a great movie. Janet McTeer, who's up for supporting actress, who's fantastic. I mean, it it's it sounds gimmicky. I mean, not the same way the artist the artist is, but it, I mean, it sounds gimmicky. Okay, she's playing a man. Mm-hmm. Big deal. It's really uh, quite. Engaging, and uh, she's fantastic. It's one of the best. It's been a passion project to her. She did it on stage. It's a short story that she adapted oh. uh, had adapted for the stage in the early '80s. I mean, this is how long she's been obsessed with this thing. It took all these years. Uh, it's really quite wonderful. It's one of those that, if enough of the members watch it, get their screeners, and actually sit and watch it, I think she's got a real good chance. Yeah, if she, they she... just look at the poster and say, eh, "Going close with a man." Yeah, I'm sure she does that well. Yeah, you know, she won't get the If they actually sit and watch it, it's pretty wonderful.
1: Yeah, she might have been thinking exactly what you were thinking, which is, well, if I can't get nominated as a woman, uh, I'll s- <laughs> uh, well, I mean, l- let me borrow a gag from Tropic Thunder here. Is playing the opposite gender the new playing the mentally disabled? I mean, because you look at Hillary Swank and Boys Don't Cry, or at least a character playing a character of the opposite gender, or right. Kate Blanchett as Bob Dylan, it seems like if you can do that and even remotely get away with it, they've got to recognize you somehow.
0: Oh, I was just going to mention Linda Hunt is off. For the right, year of yeah. living dangerously. Right. Wind yeah. Hunt actually won for
3: playing a man, not a woman disguised in the van, but she was a male character and stop. That was and she won Best supporting actress. Uh, this is this is a man disguised I mean this is a woman disguised as a man. Right. That is, that is the plot.
1: More like Swank than Blanchett then, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well what about Rooney Mara? Um it feels like and we've already talked a little bit about Fincher and she's probably gonna get dragged down by all that. But right. by all accounts, she's brilliant, and it feels like in a different year, she might be a slam dunk. Um, have either of you seen the film?
3: I did. Uh, she's very good. Um, I think overall, I mean, it's, I think, you know, it's been a very extremely, a ridiculously popular um, book, the series of books, and of course it was made into a Swedish, adapt into a Swedish movie, which a lot of people saw either on Netflix or in its small art house run, so it kind of already been done. Uh, and then they Americanized it anyway, decided to do it. Did that hurt her, do you yeah.
1: think, the fact that they, it's already been done?
3: It might hurt it a little bit. I mean, the, I mean, Fincher's version is, of course, visually ten times the movie the, the Swedish adaptation was. Um, I think overall, Fincher's, you'd probably grade higher. Uh, the one thing I might grade the other one better on is the performance of The Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. I think that uh, uh, Naomi Rapace was actually a little better and a little wow. more indelible in the Swedish version. So as great as Rooney Mara is, and she's wonderful, I just don't think, especially since it didn't get, you know, picture and director and a few of the other big nominations, I don't think this is going to be the one they pick out and say, okay, you're going to be the next Natalie Portman. Not for this role. It's too dark. I think they gave it to her a lot because of what she has to go through kind of, you know, every actor who knows what that role is. I mean, if you've never read the books, there's, uh, you know, a pretty graphic rape, and there's, you know, some very dark and nasty things that happen to this character, uh, which are integral to the plot, but still, you know, the actress has to go through it, and I think every actor who, you know, is worth their salt thinks about what that role is, and thinks, wow, she went through that, and not only that, but she went through that with Fincher, who is known, uh, like Kubrick was, and now is becoming known. For doing fifty, seventy-five, a hundred takes, yeah. and so I think everyone put their... <laughs> so, okay, now she had to be that depressed, horribly scarred, brutalized character yeah. for a hundred takes a day for how many months?
1: Yeah, she had to wow. pretend to be raped fifty times in a row. That's uh, right. That's pretty. That's so pretty rough.
3: I think I think a lot of that went into her nomination from the other actors.
1: So you think saying. this? So you're thinking maybe the nomination is sort of a okay. This was probably really hard. We're going to give you this much as a a compensation. I think it's
3: her her burst on the scene, her nomination and her role is the burst on the scene. I don't think they're going to actually give her the Oscar in that for this movie. Now, if she can continue to find great roles, and you know, she should get more work from this. You know, she'll be back in the future. She's she's young. She's only twenty six, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of back in the future, Michelle Williams nominated for the second straight year. I think. Uh, My Week with Marilyn instead of Blue Valentine this time, Um, and I believe she was nominated for Brookback Mountain a few years before that. Yeah, uh, is is she, is she going to become a perennial like 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 Street maybe because she really seems to find herself in a lot of fairly good movies here?
3: Yeah, I really like Michelle Williams. I I think some people you know kind of internet land have a thing mm. I don't know what their thing is again maybe because she started on Dawson's Creek and I've I, ber- I yeah, never watched Dawson's Creek. That's probably so I don't it. Have that kind of that preconception of of who she is from that. But uh, yeah, I think she's a. a know, one of the best actresses of her of her age. I mean she's just she's really good and she picks really interesting projects, so I think she'll come back around again and again. I don't think she's gonna win for, for this one, but you never know. This one is, you know, relatively wide open. I think it's gonna come down to streep or close, but if it's one of those where kind of those Women take each other's votes. Maybe Michelle Williams sneaks in. Or Viola Davis, a movie that has a lot of problems, The Help, but Viola Davis is pretty spectacular.
1: Yeah, uh, have, you, have, you, have uh, you seen The Help, Mark, yet? Yeah, I saw that. Okay, well, what do you think of Viola Davis? Uh, I mean, I, The problem, uh, the obvious problem with The Help is that it's chock full of performances. It has a number of acting nominations. We'll get to that in the next category, but uh, is she overshadowed a little? What do you think?
0: Oh, she's certainly not overshadowed, because she's kind of the uh, the... Brings it the most dignity, uh, gives it the most seriousness of any yeah. of anybody. So, and we already saw what she could do in doubt.
3: Yeah, right. So, Doubt—that was pretty she good. It. She had one scene, and she got an Oscar nomination. <laughs> She's pretty spectacular.
1: It's a that pretty scene. good ratio. And actually, that's—I was going to make the same comparison when we got to Best Supporting Actress. That The Help. I'll just say it now. Uh The Help kind of feels like doubt, which is that it just it's just a, an ensemble piece where everybody of importance gets nominated. The film itself, not so much. It doesn't uh The Help didn't get a nod for picture or director, just like Doubt didn't. Although Doubt got a No, one The Help did
3: get nominated for picture.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course. Uh but not, not director. director, right? Right, not director. It's more of a, an actor showcase.
3: Yeah, I mean it's it got picture, up. it got picture and the three acting nominations. That's those are the four nominations it got. It got Best Picture right. and the three nominations for acting.
1: Yeah, two in one category. So it's it's just yes. packed.
3: It is yeah, I, I just, I just don't think, you know, racism is such a serious subject and, and you know, kind of the, the way the history, that this plays with kind of the history of the civil rights movement and,
2: mm-hmm.
3: in a way that, you know, is kind of appealing as a piece of kind of pop entertainment, but,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, if you stop to think about it and if, does the Academy want to recognize this as, this is what we think uh, the Civil Rights Movement was. I mean, I, you know, that's when you see by all performance, it's very much rooted in the reality of mm-hmm. beyond, you know, whatever the machinations of the, and the kind of phoniness of the story are. She is so good that she could win just because she's yeah. brilliant.
1: Well, look, if the Academy thinks that Crash is a good summary of current race relations, who knows what they think of race relations 40 years it's ago. It's true.
3: I mean, I mean, these things change, you know, from year to year, and, you know, but... Uh,
1: I mean, yeah. you talk about lazy Academy voters, they might just see, oh, this is about civil rights, must be serious, right. must be considerate, you know. Well, I mean, the
3: Academy's record, on, I mean, I mean, for example, I mean, the, I, when I pulled up a Best Picture, the best picture to win uh, without having its director nominated was Driving Miss Daisy, which came out the same year as uh, Spike Lee Do the Right Thing, which is, you know, like her lump uh, Spike Lee, it's, it's a pretty powerful and, you know, still important film in a lot of ways, and mm-hmm. Driving Miss Daisy is, you know, very nice acted piece of fluff, pretty much. Um, Actually, so that's that's, that's an... on record of what the academy, you know, how they deal with it. So can they help, kind of, be in that driving yeah. the safety mode a little bit, except that. It also has a lot of kind of comedy thrown in, so who
1: knows mm-hmm. that 's actually a great observation with the che- the cheesy racial harmony stuff that they seem to go for with driving Miss Daisy. you know I don 't right. want to call it cheesy, you know what I mean, but, well, but the yeah. the surface easier. level not Simple, de- yes <laughs> easier right, not delving into the complexities of society wide right. problems but just showing two people finding peace and that 's nice right. at all. um it's I guess a great
3: message, but uh, probably not you know it 's optimistic it 's fantastic i mean yeah. you know, i wish I wish everyone. I wish it didn't take his, everyone as long as it took Miss Daisy to, you know, figure it out.
2: But, yeah.
3: I and mean, it's a great <laughs> message yeah, at its core. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's a little lightweight as far as, you know, some other serious movies that have dealt with racism.
0: I was thinking a little bit about, uh, oh, well, actually, you were mentioning 89, Diary with Daisy, and Do the Right Thing, and Gory was also 89. So, right. uh, I, although I was just thinking, I haven't seen Diary Miss Daisy for quite a while. But the way I remember it, and uh, Morgan Freeman, once again, he brought the dignity to the film. And I really don't think uh, Morgan Freeman was all that happy with Miss Daisy. No matter how you make it sound, like it was, uh, <laughs> it was just a little goody two shoe. We could all get along okay. together. Fair enough. Uh, but I have to see it again to to look at the subtleties. No, no. I mean, uh, you know,
3: Freeman's character definitely brings you know what what edge there is to driving Miss Daisy is is in Freeman for sure.
0: And as far as the help goes, I wanted to say that to me, it started off kind of with a uh, I couldn't believe it, basically. Uh, It was starting out, I could tell it was kind of, it it was reasonably entertaining, but uh, attempts at uh, verisimilitude, uh, you know, the setting and everything, I mean, I was not buying it. Uh, I know it was set in Jackson, Mississippi, and they start playing uh, Johnny Cash. Mm -hmm. uh, Jackson, and of course, that song was from 1967, and... uh, and the movie set in '62, I think. <laughs>
1: nice cast. Started in '62. One,
3: one of my friends had a great line about it. Um, when the when the Fantasy Awards came up, he said, "Why wasn't The Help included in, in the Fantasy movies?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a. Burn. But it. I will admit that The Help it grew on me. I I was
0: wondering, you know, why it had to be so long. I'm not really sure it had to be that long, but it, it to me it did improve. It, it it got a little more serious, and then he, when when the book came out, it, it the laughs actually. We're legit, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, to me, uh, some of these people, I, you know, I realize you have to paint people uh, monsters, I guess, uh, in a lot of ways. And I'm sure there are a lot of monsters out there. Yeah. But uh, it little, was a little too, if you pardon the, the expression, black and white when it began, okay. and, and then it got a little, uh, you know, a, a little, little grayer as it moved along.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the idea. But I guess when you're saying at surface level, you're thinking it's one of those. Okay, so we'll give them all bob haircuts and the right kind of dresses and big old cars and hey, we're in the '50s all of a sudden and that's all we have to do.
0: Well, it was a little superficial, but 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 most people who are going to watch it and be moved by the movie, by the film, uh, they're not. They might not know that. I mean, the, even the people who like it, even the older people who might like it, uh, they're probably not going to nitpick it as much as I did. I, I, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a good movie. It's a little superficial. Uh, I wasn't surprised it got nominated, and I know a lot of people like Powdered, Wawa, he loves it. And a lot of people love it, and that's fine. right,
1: um, yeah, got a shout out. And Viola nice.
0: Davis is, is, is extremely uh, good. I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if she won. Yeah,
3: but, the bottom uh, line is, other than Rooney Mara, I think that category is relatively wide open as far as, you know, these go. Uh, it could be, if any of those four names are called, I wouldn't
1: not be shocked. Rooney Mayer is the only one that would shock you? Yeah. I okay. think she's just... She's that I old think old. so, too. And you think Glenn Close and Meryl Streep, do you both agree they're the, probably the top two choices?
3: Uh, and Violet
1: Davis, as far as I deserved, Okay.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, I think if they kind of go for uh, the veterans who either haven't won in Close's case or haven't won in forever in Streep's, if that kind of sentiment colors, you know, all things being equal, but Streep hasn't won one in a thousand years... Uh, you know, Streep or Close could win if they kind of just go on the emotionality of the performance. Uh, I think Vial Davis has an excellent shot.
1: Yeah, she's kind of in the middle age-wise, but if you remove her, it's pretty much the old guard and the new guard. It's Streep and Close. You know, maybe. Yeah, we'll Viola Davis was actually. Violet
3: Davis is actually forty-six. She's, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's only been kind of in the consciousness of movies and TV for the last, you know, decade right. or so. But she's been yeah. around for a long time.
1: But, I mean, you look at Closer Street, been around forever, and then Williams and Mara kind of coming up. This is the future right here. Mm-hmm. But in both cases, they're probably not quite ready. Probably not. Now, in terms of snubs, the only one I'm hearing consistently is Tilda Swinton. For uh, We Need to Talk About Kevin, is that, what, is that what it's called? Yes, I did see that one. It's,
3: it's it's pretty amazing performance. And, you know, she had one before, so it seems like, you know, once you win an Oscar or have a few nominations in seems to make it more likely that you get nominated again. no matter how small or dark or weird or obscure your movie is, but uh, she didn't make it this year. I'll tell you and what,
1: she needs to try the gender-bending thing. She needs to play Conan O'Brien.
3: <laughs> well, she started kind of her career, one of her most famous first roles was in Orlando, a Virginia Woolf uh, adaptation where she did play oh, yeah. a man and a woman, uh, both.
1: <laughs> I think if you've got the right jawline, you can pull that off, and she seems like someone who could.
3: Right, and one of the other snubs, I'd say, is uh, Elizabeth Olson for Martha Marcy, May Marlene, which we talked about a little bit earlier, just kind of peaked a little too early. And maybe Charlize Theron, another previous winner. Yeah. Although Young Adult split a lot of people. I mean, I really enjoyed it, but I kind of understand why the Academy didn't embrace it like they did uh, Reikman's right other movies.
1: I mean, I haven't seen it, but reading, reading about it, it seems like... I, I'm surprised they didn't because it seemed like the, uh, you know, I hate to say voice of a generation type of thing. But it's, it's topical, it's timely, it's about everything people love and hate about this particular generation. Mine, I guess. My generation... Um, It seems like they usually go for that sort of thing. Well, the
3: difference is, I mean, uh, even Thank You for Smoking, the characters were pretty likable as slimy as they were. She is uh, unrepentantly uh, ugly. Uh (laughs) I mean, not physically, but every other aspect of her. And uh, she doesn't really learn anything, which is really an interesting uh, choice for the character, but uh, did not, uh, you know, make the audience connect with her in, in large numbers. Uh, I think it's really wonderful. She's fantastic. It's one of her best performances, but it's a little too dark and too weird this year for whatever reason.
1: Any um, any other thoughts on Best Actors? Any other snubs come to mind, guys? Uh,
3: not a kind of a realistic one, but, I mean, there's a, a movie uh, uh, called Tyrannosaur that uh, Patty Constantine did, which is just uh, its really powerful and uh, great and olivia coleman was fantastic in that but
1: you know she she
3: had no realistic shot of uh, expecting to hear her name called.
1: Well, i'm going to confess to being completely ignorant of this film but i'm intrigued by the title um
3: yeah and if uh if uh um let's say if uh dangerous method had done better maybe keira knightley might have gotten a little more attention mm-hmm. uh but that one uh, didn't didn't uh didn't fly this year
1: Okay, uh, next up is Best Supporting Actress. Uh, we already talked uh, a lot about um, The Help, which has two yeah. nominees here. Um, really? Let's see here. Janet Mc... Uh, oh, no, sorry. Janet McTeer Al- an Albert Nobbs. Uh, Jessica Chastain uh, in The Help. Octavia Spencer in The Help, who it sounds like the favorite. Berenice Beho from The Artist. And... The, one of the quote-unquote fun nominations, uh, which is right. Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids.
3: Yeah, especially in the supporting categories, kind of anything can happen. I mean, Kevin Klein did win for A Fish Called Wanda, which is very much a comedy, very yeah. much a comedy performance, very much over-the-top and silly. So you never really can tell. It doesn't happen often, but it wouldn't be unheard of for Melissa McCarthy to win for Bridesmaids as kind of outrageous and, uh, and craft and silly and funny
1: as it is. But the supporting categories, that's where they let the freak flag fly pretty much always, right?
3: They do. Much, I mean, you hardly ever see a best actress or actor. It's from a, you know, just flat out silly comedy, but, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, Go hog wild in the supporting actors and actress categories.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, you know, various people's analysis and uh, predictions and opinions, and it's nobody seems to really disagree about this one. They all think it's going to be Octavia Spencer, which surprised me. I, I, I thought it would be a little more open than that, but uh, everyone seems to be coming down there. I mean, you both said yeah. you both said you really appreciated what Viola Davis did in the help. Does that, that kind of come at the expense of the others? I mean, if she was the serious one, I guess, uh, by yeah, I mean, implication, just in... I
3: mean, sure, her character certainly has her serious moments, but, and, you know, her she gets the, you know, the... Pie moment at the end, but, um, yeah, I mean, in general, she gets to do much more of the comic relief, certainly, than uh, Viola Davis does, for sure. So
1: this one's probably not as tricky as most, I'm guessing.
3: Uh, I guess, I mean, I I guess people are tending to to go that way, but, you know, I don't know if people, you you never know how people are going to vote, I don't know if they're going to vote for Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer from this, you know, kind of silly, but... Yeah, that might be, that might be part of a problem Mm Mm-hmm. So if they're going to pick one or the other, will it be yeah. that might get into why Streep or Close might get in? Because, oh, well, I've already voted for Octavia Spencer. I really liked her yeah. performance in there. Right. And if- Jessica Chastain, who had, you know, kind of a historically amazing year, uh, she was in kind of four kind of mainstream movies uh, that did pretty well. And then uh, two others that hardly anybody saw. But so she had six kind of releases this year. Uh, wow. one of them being, uh, The Tree of Life, where she played the mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also in, uh, Take Shelter. She was the wife in there. She was, in, I think that was her best performance of the ones that I saw, and I said she was fantastic in that, but, you know, that movie got ignored completely. Uh, also, she was in The Debt, that thing where she played the young Helen Mirren, kind of that, yeah. Nazi, uh, thriller thing. She was in Corleone's, uh, the, uh, uh Fines. Did a, you know, kind of modernized Shakespeare? She's his wife in that, and she's also in something called *The Texas Killing Fields*, which got almost no distribution. And also, she finished a movie a couple of years ago with Pacino that hasn't even been released yet. So she's really exploding, and this was her year. And it kind of culminated with this nomination. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think if you were naming the, your favorite. performances in the movie, I don't think Jessica Chastain would probably pop up.
1: So you're mostly just surprised that she was nominated for this, rather than several other perfectly decent Yeah, I
3: mean, I think it was kind of inevitable the year she had that she was going to get nominated for something, and since the help did get picture and had the other two actors, I I guess it's natural, but I don't think it was her best performance of the year, and she had a lot to choose from.
0: I didn't see the other ones, but I was going to say Jessica Chastain almost seems to go hand in hand with Octavia Spencer. Mm -hmm. I mean, they seem, to me, their scenes together are, are their best uh also like what he said i don't know where she would fit into which categories uh, exactly i remember when right. the tree of life came out and i think even after the fact i mean Jessica Chastain did get a lot of best i think i don't know if it was supporting actress or uh, she won some awards from the different
3: yeah some of know, the critics, critics and her attention and some of the critics groups do in unlike the academy and the golden globes they do when they if they give you best supporting actors or best actors they will list all the things they liked you in instead of just having to choose one kind of just for the sake of the format. That sounds a lot better. Oh, she was great in all four of these movies and she's our choice for Best Supporting Actress or whatever. And that's what happened to her with a couple of the Critics Awards. The Mm -hmm. Academy does not do that. They picked The Help, which was kind of the most mainstream of the one she was in. Uh, As far as co-stars, in this category alone, I mean, the, the Academy will do this from time to time. We'll have multiple, two actors in the same category. Just in this, and supporting actress one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times since 2000 have there been two actresses from the same movie. Wow.
2: That's and a, uh, in two of those well, instances, and,
3: and, you know, the conventional wisdom is, oh, they'll cancel each other out. Right. And it doesn't always, I mean, just last year, Melissa Leo and Amy Adams were both nominated for The Fighter, and Melissa Leo won. Mm-hmm. And back in uh, 2002, it was Catherine Zeta-Jones and Queen Latifah from Chicago and Catherine Zeta-Jones won. But in all the other years where they had multiple actresses from the same movie, from Doubt and Up in the Air and Gossard Park, Almost Famous Babel. They did not win, so I don't know how much of that cancelling out or just that the other performance was spectacular
1: well do you think that you think this sort of is a cumulative thing then you say that obviously the oscars doesn't isn't work doesn't work that way but you're, you're saying there's you know a number of great performances this year just a powerhouse year in general and then she's nominated for the one that you probably would find the least likely do you think maybe it is sort of a stand-in for the year she had
3: i could yeah, i mean i think that happens a lot like when kevin spacey won for the usual suspects he had one of those years where he was in seven and he was in uh, uh the office when so filling with sharks and he was in yeah. outbreak he had one of those out, breakout years and you know he was Really central and usual suspects, but I mean, you could see it also as a vote for the year he had. Here's Kevin Spacey, welcome to Hollywood. And uh, Jessica Chastain, I think, with this nomination, and certainly, I mean, they're not going to prevent you if you thought she was fantastic in *The Tree of Life* and *Take Shelter*. You can vote for her and the help; they won't know the difference.
2: Right.
3: But I don't know that there'll be enough people who thought she was so fantastic in *Tree of Life*, which nobody saw anyway. Yeah. Now, <laughs> nobody sat through. What I wanted to say, I did want to say something about Jessica Chastain. It's either maybe it's
0: me—I don't know if it was me or the two movies—but to, to tell you the truth, I couldn't believe that that was even the same actress.
3: Yeah, two no, no, Considering she's a very pretty uh, young, thin redhead, she does very good at transforming herself. I mean, in these six movies, she's quite different in all of them. And that's which is, I mean, all the more remarkable the year she had. It's not just that she was in five or six movies, it's that she was so good and so different in all of them. So she should, you know, should be lots of casting directors and directors saying, get me that girl for my next project.
1: Yeah. Well, okay, so let's, let's assume Octavia Spencer doesn't win it. Who would you? Who do, you, who do you think would be the runner-up, so to speak? Not in terms uh, of quality, but just in terms of, you know, gaming it out if you had money on yeah, the line.
3: Yeah, Bernice, you know, Bernice Bojo is uh, kind of writing the artist, and she's fantastic. Um, I mean, it's one of those, uh, this happens every year. I mean, she's the lead in that movie. Why she's supporting actresses is just because...
2: Yeah, I was wondering about ...nobody's
3: that. heard of her, and she's got a better chance of getting a nomination there. Uh, I mean, but she doesn't have any real chance of winning, even if the artist does wind up winning, you know, picture director and start kind of sweeping stuff. I don't think she's going to win. Uh, you know, I wouldn't... I'm telling you, I would not be shocked if Melissa McCarthy won, not only because she's the best thing in that movie, but because if you saw the the Emmy Awards last year, the acceptance speech she had and that this is one of those kind of weird off the record things that does factor into academy voters sometimes. She was, gave just a fantastic, magnetic, funny speech, acceptance speech when she won the Emmy uh, last year for Mike and Molly. Mm -hmm. And just the press around her, everyone loved her. She's effervescent. She's fantastic. She's just bubbly. I mean, she was just kind of irresistible, not just Mm -hmm. as a character, but, I mean, her character is, you know, very strange in that movie, but just kind of as a person, as an actress, she was very fun and likable, extremely likable. And I think that does enter in their thinking sometimes is, Wouldn't that be nice? this mm-hmm. wonderful, nice person to get up there and gush and laugh and giggle and make a really funny speech off the cuff,
2: yeah. which
3: probably Octavia Spencer is not going to do. Right. Bernice Boudreau doesn't speak much English. She definitely mm-hmm. won't do. Yeah. Um, you know, so I mean, that's part of it that they have to sit there for four hours watching the show that's and it won't be point. fun to have a little bit of entertainment on the Right, along with, right, right. Well, because... Which, you know, I don't think is an overriding thing, but kind of one of those all things being equal, if I have to pick one, I like all three of these performances, but wow, Shiva really just I just like her.
1: Yeah, so you're so, so basically they have to consider posterity and all those things, but they also have to consider what's going to be make for an entertaining broadcast even. Sure. Sure. And, and, and an entertaining show since as you said they have to sit through it and Melissa McCarthy makes that exponentially more right. interesting. Uh you mentioned Berenice Bejo. I'm just going to use that as a segue because we're going to mention this at some point. Um, I was shocked, and this is probably just stupid of me. I saw, you know, um Jean uh Dujardin, is that how you say it? Uh huh. Let's right. say that's right. Jean Dujardin was nominated. Hopefully. And I thought I thought, oh, OSS one seventeen, fantastic. Uh right. <laughs> oh, he moved on to something more serious. And then I looked at the cast list and I thought, wait a second, Berenice Bayo's in it too. Uh Very true. same director as both of yep. the OSS one seventeen movies. That's hysterical to me. Those were like naked gun style spoofs, and now here they are nominated yeah. for a bunch of Oscars.
3: Well, she is the the Michelle Havanavigi, who we can't pronounce. Uh, She is his, I don't think they're married, but she's his partner. Uh, They've had children together. I mean, so it's no surprise that she shows up in his movies. But, uh, I mean, I love those OS, I think, you know, if nothing else, I mean, I think the artist is great. I hope people see it. But Mm -hmm. I also hope people discover the OSS movies, which I think, especially the first one, I think are just so much fun. And they are spoofed, and they are extremely silly. But I think the first one especially has a lot of kind of really dark, smart Satire wrapped in that comedy that is also just ridiculous. So I think I hope people discover those because they're a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, this is one of the very, very few areas during this podcast where I can actually talk about something and have some idea what I'm talking about. I saw, I've seen it four or five times, the, f- the first OSS film, um, and literally again last night because when I heard he was nominated, I just had to watch it again. And uh, I'll say it's an understatement that the first is better. I think the second was.
3: Yeah, the I, second one, uh, the, the first one was so successful, especially in France. I think yeah. they were kind of just pressured into we better do another one of these. Right. And you know. He's still fun. I mean,
2: right. so he, he's just
3: such a just natural, just a gift to watch on the screen. The second one, just, you know, the script and the ideas are just kind of,
1: yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there are comedies that don't work, and then there are comedies that don't really contain jokes, and yeah. and I felt like this was kind of the latter. It didn't really seem to want to be funny. It was just, hey, everyone, the whole gang's back, you know. But the first is one of the, it's just a gem. I've recommended it to so many people. Three or four people recommended it to me. You were one of them, Holden. And it reached yeah. that critical mass where three different people have mentioned it, so I better check it out. Better watch it. You know what I mean? And then I did. And now I've recommended it to three or four people, and they've all loved right. it. If you like uh, the Naked Gun movies at all. And you don't mind subtitles, you will like this. I mean, it sounds weird, a French spy spoof set in, I guess, the 50s it was. Yeah, but and it works. About
3: the, yeah, and the thing that really works, one of the elements that works about it, which, which uh, actually dovetails into the artist, is um, it really gets the period, cinematic period detail of an early 60s film. Yeah. I mean, just perfect. I mean, it, it. if you didn't know better, and you didn't know who Jean-Durgeon was, like, like a lot of people don't, and you flip by it, and you saw the lighting and the mm-hmm. way they used the, the, the screening, it just, it looks like a movie that was shot in 1962, which a lot of movies, like The Help, for example, you don't think for a second that was made in the 60s. Right. Whereas OSF and The Artist, I mean, they have that commitment to detail and just getting everything perfect, yeah. which really uh, adds to... Some of the fun of it. Yeah,
1: and even the music sounded pretty Bondy, and I remember there's one little yes. part where the, the trumpets pick up when he first walks down into the uh into the hotel lobby and the trumpets kinda of pick up in the background and I thought, Man, that sounds exactly like a great Bond theme yeah. right there. And, you know, it's wow. almost, I, I actually thought to myself, this is a bad way to think about it, but I almost thought, it's a shame that was wasted on a goofy comedy no one's going to see, because that was beautiful, you know. But I'm a huge fan, if anyone's listening, please rent it. The full title, which is one of the best titles, and next to Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, maybe the best title I've ever heard, OSS-117 Cairo Nest of Spies, which yes. is hysterical just by itself. Veritable Nest of Spies. Yes, a veritable Nest of Spies, which they repeat, I think, three different times. in the first 20 minutes of the movie it's a little slow for a a modern comedy people expect expect these things to be more rapid fire but if you like hot shots if you like the naked gun uh, if you like if you like laughing in general you know for crying out loud read the movie Yeah, buy it if you can. Uh, Anyway, segueing then, Jean. Oh, and one more
3: second. I mean, kind of lost in the shuffle there is Janet McTeer, who is. um, Oh yes. Really, even in a a way better than Glenn Close in that movie, she really steals every scene she's in, and this is her second nomination. She was nominated for Tumbleweeds, two thousand, and uh, she's really fantastic. I think she's just going to get lost in the shuffle this year. And some of the snubs we didn't really talk about in the snubs. I mean, uh, Chloëne Woodley from The Descendants. Mm-hmm. uh, was one that, you know, especially since the dissidents got a lot of traction for picture and director. Everyone kind of assumed she'd make the cut and right. she didn't. And just kind of on a personal and, and just, and also, uh, you know, Woody Allen often gets a lot of his actors, especially when the movies get noticed, uh, get nominations. Marion Cotillard and uh, Kathy Bates mm-hmm. did not get nominations. on uh, the previous winners, uh, and did not get nominated for the Woody Allen movie. And just mm-hmm. on a personal, even though she had literally zero chance, um, Ellen Page as Balti and Super if you've mm. not seen Super because you think you've you've saw kick ass and you, you get what that's about
1: it's pretty Super
3: is a really dark and weird and funny and pretty brilliant movie in a lot of ways and Ellen Page as Balti freaking steals that thing she's fantastic and, you know, she's a previous nominee. She had zero chance of getting a nomination, but I would love to see her there.
1: Yeah, it's uh, bizarre is putting it uh, lightly, for sure. Uh, I think most people don't understand what a strange guy Rain Wilson was in general. Obviously, they know he plays yeah. a strange character, but he wrote, I remember, a spiritual guidebook called Soul Pancake, and which, which I think, <laughs> I know, already it's funny. Um, but it's not meant to be funny exactly. But it, if, uh, having, I read an interview with him where he talked about the book, and so I wasn't as shocked as I would have been by the kind of weird quasi-spiritual elements of Super. But anyone who hasn't, I think, is just going to be blown away by how, how, how it is not what they expected at all. And that, that might be good or bad for some people because they want to see right. Kick Ass again. But it's a very strange movie. Well, I
3: mean, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really like Kickass that much, and to me, this is everything Kickass should have been
1: mm. as a super. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we went a little long, so we're going to split this into two parts. Please download part two for the rest of the discussion.
3: in the end you got a hit you can have flaws problems but wow them in the end and
2: you've got a hit